This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. And, you know, let's be honest, too. I mean, if you really wanted to see some nimbyism, yeah. uh, float a proposal to put a behavioral health hospital into the Weyerhaeuser mansion <laughs> yeah. or, or turn the Proctor pea patch into a homeless remediation site. Yeah, that would just um, – the fireworks would go off. Hey, but that's my district. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but wait a minute. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. This time on Crossing Division, we're talking about some in-the-news health stuff and mental health. So I have with me Derek Young. Pierce County Council member Derek, hello. Hello. And uh, Derek's going to talk first about coronavirus and then a little bit about the county's mental health tax. And I have Joe Lopez with me today. Joe, hello. Hello. And uh, Joe has been doing some research on that mental health facility in Tacoma that was uh, voted down by the city council, then appealed, and sort of where that's at and what that means. And I'll have a little bit of information about. Western State Hospital, so all of our local mental health issues. But Derek, why don't we start with you telling us what's the latest about the coronavirus? And I think you mentioned that you just come back from Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So tell us. So uh, we ha- there's actually good news on the government action side um, compared to you know the, the spread of this. And it seems that Congress, in a bipartisan fashion, is convinced that there's action necessary. And so um, I was there with the National Association of Counties, where I'm on the Health Policy Committee. And uh, so we were there talking with members and their staff about, we need you to act big and, mm-hmm. and you know, spend spend big now or spend bigger later right. uh, kind of uh, deal. And the good news is that they were really receptive. And I'll tell you that our own local uh, Congressman Kilmer, who um, sits on the Appropriations Committee, uh, was eager to kind of learn what was necessary and what we thought. Uh, the administration had only asked for $2.5 billion in new appro- – well, I shouldn't say new appropriations – in appropriations for this, mm-hmm. uh, half of which was actually reappropriation of public health, which is not what we wanted. Because, right. We don't want to take anything away from public health yeah, right now I've, because they're going to be strapped as it is. Exactly. And we, we've been kind of screaming for years that there's a problem. You know, we, we still are 20 percent down in terms of public health workers from the recession. So oh. public health never recovered. Um, and so we're, we're we're strained as a result of it. But um, Congress decided, yeah, that's fine, but we're going to go big. And so Good. they appropriated uh, $8.3 billion mm-hmm. uh, and made it clear that that's a start. Mm-hmm. This is the first emo- emergency appropriation, but expect more uh, as needed. And, um, you know, it covers a bunch of things. It covers public health needs, vaccine research, uh, but even, for example, uh, the beginnings of some economic uh, appropriations. So uh, Congressman Kilmer advocated for SBA loans to cover small businesses that will be hurting as a result of this and the disruptions Mm -hmm. there, both in the supply chain and workforce. Um, I think you'll see in the next round, um, uh, because there's significant interest both from Congressman Kilmer and uh, from Mm -hmm. Senator Murray to cover wage loss. Mm -hmm. So we want to not have people uh, discouraged from staying home. Yeah. And so if if we can do something there, that'd be great. So both paid family leave and paid sick leave to ensure that we can uh, isolate people that are uh, suffering from this. That's what we want. Yeah. And down at the state, uh, mm-hmm. so I yesterday I was down with our legislative steering committee. Uh, we were pleased to see that they had uh, both chambers had passed. I believe the governor's already signed 
uh, $100 million uh, uh, emergency appropriation. Uh, so there again, uh, quick action at, uh, you know, bipartisan action. Mm-hmm. People seem to be gathering the um, the severity of this and yeah. how, what would happen if we didn't uh, take immediate action. So uh. I think the hard thing on all these things is that you really do, that money needs to flow out yeah. fast. Yeah. So, you know, the whole, you know, apply for a grant thing, that doesn't work. I mean, it's like yeah. you just need to turn that spigot on and so, let the money get out. And they did do a smart thing there because that is com- uh, commonly our frustration at the local level is we need the money to come fast. So one thing that they did was they made it retroactive. Okay. So uh, literally we're going to get paid for what we've already spent mm. uh, and we'll continue to be able to bill essentially the federal government rather than applying for grants and all that kind right. of stuff. So the money should be coming to us fast. In okay. fact, the federal government stipulated that the I think like half the money should be uh, should be spent within the first 30 days. Oh, good. So they really are pushing hard to get uh, us what we need, uh, and that's appreciated. So, uh, you know, we already have at the local level uh, 60 people working on this at the Mm -hmm. Tacoma Pierce County Health Department. Um, And I will tell you, we definitely do not have 60 employees in infectious disease. So it's it's kind of a we're calling out all the troops to respond to this. And, um, you know, it's still the staff are working to the bone, but um, I I do have confidence in their and their capabilities. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, I saw, too, I think the governor had an announcement uh, the other day, I think yesterday, that. Uh, if you did for the healthcare workers, if they did develop uh, symptoms, mm-hmm. they could apply for workers' compensation also. Yes, and so that's another faster way of getting money, wage replacement money, in if you are unable to work. Exactly, and same on the testing side. You know, the 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 states have been the the state has been clear that you know they're going to cover even uninsured people and and mm-hmm. ordered insurers to have no copays or deductibles on the cost of testing. So the idea here is we want to disincentivize bad behavior and we want to incentivize good mm-hmm. behavior. And I, I should say both uh, the governor and uh, Executive Constantine in, in King County, where this is hardest hit, um, have really been exceptional. They, they've really not put a bad foot forward. So uh, yeah, pretty happy with the response so far from a public good. health standpoint. Good. All right. And for, anyway. for those of you who haven't figured out, for coronavirus, if you – have it. If you feel like you're coming down with the flu, do not go to work. Do not go mm-hmm. to uh, the movies. Stay home. If your kids have signs of a cold or a virus, maybe keep them home. I mean, it's just the the thing is, is that it's so difficult for us to stop, mm-hmm. you know, when because we're used to kind of pushing through. Oh, yeah, I feel sick, but I've got something that's really important. And um, this is just highly spreadable. So stay home. Guilt-free time to binge watch your Whatever guilty pleasure is on That's Netflix right. and or read books, whatever. Whatever, whatever. Stay. Do home. people still do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to when I was knocked down by the flu earlier this year, and 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 I couldn't focus on the books. So it's I hard. To, it's actually harder. Yeah, I, I I watched a lot of Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not that easy to stop when you've been going all the time. Well, let's talk mental health, and I think and sort of uh, three themes I'd like to. Uh, weave through there that I think are naturally occurring are locality, responsibility, and opportunity. And we can sort of see how that goes. But Joe, talk to us about that. And and I, and I keep saying that mental health facility that got voted down by the city council because I have totally forgotten the name of it. Um, it is a mental health facility that was proposed by a California entity called Signature Healthcare. Uh, the proposal is to build a hospital on South 19th Street on a plot of land by Proctor. It's that kind it, of undeveloped it, land. It's that been... undeveloped land. It abuts the Snake Lake Nature Preserve that Metro Parks owns. Um, 
Bellarmine Prep is in the back of it. And to the east of the plot of land are some medical offices and some multifamily residential communities. Mm-hmm. Um, this plot of land is not zoned in a way that would allow for a hospital. Okay. So, so is their first so their so first hurdle is zoning. Their first hurdle was yes, to to apply for a rezone of the land. That came up before Tacoma's hearing examiner in I think it was July and the decision was issued in August. Saying okay. And yes, recommended approval of the rezone, noted that there had been changed circumstances in the neighborhood, that there had been other rezonings to allow other medical businesses to locate there, and that really there was no reason just based on zoning principles Mm -hmm. to disallow the rezone. Mm -hmm. Um, That decision then had to go to the city council for approval went to the city council for first reading at a meeting in September. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was provisionally approved, but then by the time of a December 17th meeting of the city council, council member Blocker, joined by the mayor, had turned the rest of the council around to reject the hearing examiner's proposal to allow for the rezoning. And what was the reason for rejecting it? Uh, The reason was essentially we've already got one mental health facility right there about two blocks down in council member blockers district. And the feeling of the district, the neighbors, council member blocker, and the other members of the city council was that we don't want to concentrate all of these things right in one part of the city of Tacoma. Right. Um, So they voted to reject the recommendation on December 17th. Subsequently, about 10 days later, Signature Health sued. And this went before Judge Chuschoff of Pierce County Superior Court. And he basically ruled that they were, by December 17th, they were too late. Mm -hmm. You know, by the time they'd gotten, you know, packed and ready and Ubered down to the airport that the plane had left two hours earlier. Right, right. Um, you can't really change your mind this well, completely at this point. Because under the, under the municipal code, uh, the first reading of a, of a rezone recommendation becomes final unless it's appealed under the state's Land Use Petition Act. Oh, or I didn't know LUPA, that. LUPA. As it was known. So basically 21 days after first reading, their provisional approval became final. I see. And that when they voted to turn it down on the 17th, they were too late. I see. I mean, maybe they could have turned down something, but they'd have to have some kind of changed circumstances they or something. They would have had to have done it on the 17th. They, oh, okay. They really on, had on, to act. In September. They would have had to act in September. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So now uh, Signature is in the position of, okay, we won in Superior Court. Um, what happens next? Well, they basically got their rezone. Yeah. Um, there are – I can't remember quite what they were. I haven't looked at the uh, the initial pleadings for a couple of months. There were some other claims in their lawsuit, and I really, to be honest, have not taken a look at what realistically mm-hmm. would survive the mm-hmm. judge's decision and what wouldn't. Uh, I checked this morning, and there had been no notice of appeal filed. 
So I don't know if that the city is going to pursue this further or if they're giving up at this point. Okay. Um, so probably signature will wait at least until the appeal period goes, which is what on the 21st of, uh, 20, 20th or 21st or 22nd of March. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then move forward with, uh, development, I would think. Uh, th- there's been no announcement, but that that's what I would assume. Okay. Time is of the essence here because in order to build a hospital, you need what's called a certificate of need from the state. Mm-hmm. That's good for a period of two years. And you can't really stop the two-year clock from running. So mm-hmm. if you're tied up in litigation, that's eating into your two years. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that under this decision, they would begin to move fairly expeditiously. Okay. So on the locality piece, there was sort of a charge that the um, council was being really nimby, not in my backyard, right. about this. Do you think that's what was going on? Um, well, you know, in a very strict sense, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think Blocker was saying not in my backyard because he was saying I've already got a behavioral health facility in my backyard. I've got everything else in my backyard, too. I mean, yeah. I had a tent city in in People's Park. The homeless remediation site is on MLK. That's in his backyard. I think he'd like to see some of these social equity proposals, you know, parceled out to other parts of the city or indeed other parts of the county. Yeah. Because if you take a look at the State Department of Health Certificate of Need for the hospital, it found that there is a need for the services proposed by this hospital in the in the general community, mm-hmm. and the general community that they looked at was all of Pierce County. Okay, well, and there is a yes. Need. Oh, yeah. there, no doubt. I think the sole question here, sort of politically and practically, do we really want to concentrate all of these hospital services in one small area in the city of Tacoma? You know, it's an interesting question because yes, I think people are reacting more negatively to it being a behavioral health center than they would if it was, you know, a cancer treatment facility. But I also feel like that's kind of an opportunity for Tacoma the way I see it. I mean, it's sort of like, look, I get it. I mean, I would love Puyallup to develop a behavioral health treatment center. That would be extremely helpful to people on the east side of the the county. But assuming that they're not going to do that and we see no indication that they are, treatment is treatment. And, you know, people aren't that keen on the idea of having sort of the modern-day bedlam sanitarium in their town. But we wouldn't mind having the Betty Ford Center. You know, maybe there's an opportunity to really grow this uh, for Tacoma. Yeah, I I don't think Blocker would argue with you that there's no need for these services. Yeah. You know, I think he would simply say that if if these services are needed throughout Pierce County, maybe they should be decentralized and not all put into one small area, Mm -hmm. particularly given the fact that, you know, transit in the county— not really all that great if you need to get into Tacoma from Ording or Edenville or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, that's true. So, you know, I think strictly speaking that this was a case of nimbyism, but, it, but it's sort of nimbyism with, with a bit of a principle behind it. Yeah, I agree. I don't actually blame them for being upset. I mean, I, I think that that's He's representing quite... his constituents and, yeah. you know, they've been under a lot of stress lately. MLK is torn up and closed for uh, – the light, light rail, rail project, mm-hmm. there's that cube smart storage facility right. that's also proposed for 19th Street that has a lot of residents there up in arms. Yeah. I think they do realistically and reasonably feel like, right. how come it's always us? And, you know, let's be honest, too. I mean, if you really wanted to see some nimbyism, yeah. uh, 
float a proposal to put a behavioral health hospital into the Weyerhaeuser mansion <laughs> yeah. or, or turn the Proctor pea patch into a homeless remediation site. Yeah, that would just, um, the fireworks would go off. Hey, but that's my district. <laughs> <laughs> but wait a minute. You know, so I, I think— Kidding, Block- I'd actually enjoyed watching that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Blocker took a lot of heat, but I think there was more nuance to his position than a lot of people wanted to acknowledge. I think so, too. But I, I also—but I do feel like—so that's, you know, I think that's the locality. That's also the responsibility piece of—and we'll get into this more when we talk about the county health uh, mental health tax— you know, we do have a responsibility to take care of our residents. We do have mental health needs that are unmet. I agree. I don't think everything has to be in one, you know, 10-square-block area of Tacoma. Um, but it does have to be somewhere. And so then I think, well, is there an opportunity there? You know, we've got – Bates is, is developing a really strong healthcare training program. Um, we do have that well – well-found behavioral health that I always want to call well-sound, but well-found behavioral health. Google well-sound and you'll get nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I usually remind myself that it's it's well-found. Yeah, Yeah. it's not that. So, I mean, I do kind of wonder, you know, could you partner with the UWT and really develop a deep clinical psychology program? I mean, if we're going to have by, you know, happenstance or whatever, these facilities in our city, could we turn it into something that would make – that would be very beneficial. And Maybe, I don't know. I, I think part of the reaction to this particular facility uh, is that it's run by a private for-profit corporation out of California. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wellfound Hospital is a consortium composed of uh, local multi-care and Franciscan health. Yeah. It was built with a lot of input from uh, state and local authorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was built in part with public funds. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of suspicion about this signature health project because it is from a private corporation. And I don't know that there's been a whole lot of transparency about what their motives really are or where this might be going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So I, I think that just increased the suspicion about what might really be going on here. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens next. But this is something to watch because the appeal period does end uh, in a couple of weeks, and then we'll see whether development starts or whether something else happens. Yep. Yep. Okay. So turning uh, to the mental health locality and responsibility, Derek, the county is considering a mental health tax that would be similar to the one that Tacoma has. Mm -hmm. Tell me how it's going. Um, so we were already in committee mm-hmm. <clears throat> last week, uh, or actually a couple of weeks ago, and uh, final is scheduled for Tuesday. Well, back me up a little bit yeah. and tell me a little bit about county decision making, because I don't really sure. know how something moves from an idea into a proposal, into committee, into voting. Yeah, so this is something, um, you know, we, we actually tried this a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, but uh, Connie and I, uh, Connie Ladenberg, uh, Councilmember Ladenberg and I started working again on it. Uh, really late summer last year mm-hmm. uh, to start thinking, okay, what do we need to do to set this up to um, to really bring it back? Because it the issue hasn't obviously gone away. Um, so um, essentially we, we drafted the bill <clears throat> um, and then introduced it early, uh, I guess, February. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes to rules committee, which then just schedules it. Um, we had our committee meeting. 
in Pierce County, we tend to, unlike the state, not try to kill bills in committee or rules. Yeah. Um, uh, so very often things will come out with different recommendations. So the norm is, you know, do a due pass recommendation uh, to the full council. Um, often there's no recommendation, which is sort of we're not quite sure yet. There's mm-hmm. may need some more work. And then rarely there's a do not pass recommendation. And so in Olympia, for example, that would normally be the, you know, That's if you don't want to pass no. it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, you, they wouldn't even bother with right. the vote. You wouldn't even um, vote it out of committee. Yeah, you just so, let it die. Uh, but ours, we do try to move things along. But like we just had a couple. Uh, uh, bills just last week uh, come out with do not pass and they failed um, mm, okay. uh, full council. So that's, um, you know, it's a way of making sure, you know, we're a small council. So mm-hmm. you, there's, there's much less at stake to, you know, for the reasons for doing that in Olympia are, are, are many because there's so many more members. So they come up with lots of ideas and not all of them should move through the process because they just lack capacity. Um, so, However, last week, we uh, after hearing some comments from the chair of the council, but also a member of the Human Services Committee, that he'd like more time to just discuss potential amendments mm-hmm. um, that hadn't been drafted yet, uh, Councilmember Ladenberg, who chairs the Human Services Committee, scheduled a hearing where they would just discuss things, almost like a study session, yeah. but on camera, okay. um, an opportunity to air some things. At that meeting, um, uh, Councilmember Morell um, basically introduced a proposal to delay that um, until uh, such time that a new analysis, you know, I, uh-huh. I think I use the term study, but he's really p- pushing back on that term, mm-hmm. saying it's not a study, but he wants proposals for a specific spending uh, spending uh, program on what we would spend it on before voting on the tax. Before voting on this, but but not this was this was part of the discussion. So you're you're it's he's fine with discussing it. Yeah. But before there's a vote, he wants more information or more um, hard data. He's maybe. basically indicating he won't vote for it on Tuesday as is. Okay. And so keep in mind with Pierce County, we have a supermajority requirement in our charter for any new tax. Uh, oh. So, in fact, I, oddly, this uh, it was specifically designed with the behavioral health tax in mind. It, it actually cites it in parens and the in the charter. It says, "I.e., mental health tax." Um, uh, so, the supermajority requirement um, means that we have to have five members in support. Mm-hmm. You may recall that last time we did have bipartisan support. Uh, a council member. Um, uh, uh, Richardson, sorry, blanking on the chair's name isn't a good look. Um, He voted, he joined us to vote in favor. Um, And obviously he's still there. So we were counting on his support and needed to add one more. Um, And frankly, at this time, it's fairly obvious that that, uh, Councilmember Morell is our target because Mm -hmm. – uh, council member, uh, council members Roach and McCune have indicated they they're will not, not interested. They will not vote yeah. for it under any circumstances. Um, so, uh, you know, I wish we could change the, that set of circumstances, mm-hmm. but that's where we're at. Yeah. So, we're still trying to figure out, um, you know, what we need to be done. My concern is that if we delay this again, one, there's no guarantees that that's actually how the money will be spent because we can't bind future councils right. uh, to anything. Right. Um, this isn't like a transportation uh, tax where where you're literally bonding and develop a project list that you can craft into the code. Well, you don't really want to either because you don't no. know what <clears throat> might happen a couple of oh, years yeah. from now. So, for example, I'm really focused on one side of um, behavioral spectrum, which is uh, substance use disorders. Right. And we have a number that are specific to the opioid epidemic. 
Um, quite frankly, we, we're having some success there, and I'm hoping that we kind of work our way out of business on that. But we also see other substance use disorders rising at the same mm-hmm. time. So do you really want to tie your hands and say, we're only going to spend money on this? Well, of course not. Right. And you can't. That's the, the literally, uh, you're not right. allowed to. That's under, the reason for the law yeah, that it, says you can't, you know, tie the hands of future decision makers. Exactly. And, and you know, we are at the uh, next year going to have four new members of the council. Right. Um, so, uh, do we really think that they're not going to want to weigh in on their, yeah, I mean, so, and there's a second problem with this and it's more practical. Um, much of the recommendations would be based on essentially work that our providers, um, in the community and community, um, uh, support would need to develop programs for, are we really going to ask them to you know, in their own already strained resources to do a bunch of work without knowing they're going to get the money. You mean for the studies and things like yeah. that? Or, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, so for example, it's uh, – I can't tell you exactly what a youth behavioral um, – uh, youth behavioral health services we should be mm-hmm. providing are. So we're going to ask those providers to go out and try to develop a plan not knowing if they're actually going to have access to no. grants for it. That's I mean, the worst. It's it's really – it's hard to imagine. And we already have a fairly well-developed – plan that's based on you know, like the broad categories of spending. You know, we mm-hmm. know we want uh, to focus on youth and veteran uh, services. We know we need additional SUD uh, resources. We know we want to expand our therapeutic courts. Mm-hmm. We know that we need more suicide prevention efforts. We know that we need uh, crisis intervention. Uh, we know that we want more diversion and, and prevention uh, programming. So all of those things are kind of buckets that we can yeah. fill with various different grant opportunities. Um, and I, for some reason, um, you know, and this is not, it's not just Councilmember Morrell. It's rhetoric we've heard from the Republicans before is I need a plan before I vote for this. Yeah. And the response is always the same. How, what do you exactly are you right. looking for? And we've never gotten what an level of detail. Well, yeah. they may not even know, yeah, actually. I, I mean, they may not. It, 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 I think what I think from their perspective and this is presumptuous of me, but I think they're really saying, look. The people who support me are really, really Mm anti-tax. So if I'm going to go back to them and say I voted for this tax, I better have a pretty damn good reason for Mm -hmm. doing so. And whatever that means, you know, they haven't quite got it. It's interesting you say that Pam Roach is is opposed to the tax, which doesn't surprise me. But I noted on the Signature Health Rezone Mm -hmm. in the decision of the hearing examiner, Jeff Capel, Tacoma's examiner, noted that in the record was a letter from Pam Roach mm-hmm. specifically in favor of rezoning that piece of land on 19th for a behavioral health facility in Tacoma. So there's a bit of backstory there. Uh, <laughs> when when the when the Wellfound Hospital was being developed and we were talking about an appropriation from the county, um, she was in favor of the signature proposal largely because a friend of hers is a lobbyist for them. Um, oh. And so, uh, yeah, it, it has really nothing to do with the land use merits of the discussion and uh, we had just had or really anything Or mental else. health. Uh, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's more she liked that it was private. She liked mm. that, um, you know, they weren't asking for public money and that Luke Esser is their lobbyist. <laughs> oh, oh. oh. Luke we, Esser was the year behind us in law school. We know Luke. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Luke too. I, I happen yeah. to know him pretty well, but uh, it's there. there is a backstory there. But Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's pause there <laughs> for a short break and then we're going to come back and then I want to ask you some questions specifically about how this tax would work. 
This is producer Doug of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Channel 253 is sponsored by Pacific Lutheran University. PLU probably doesn't need any introduction. They've been part of the Tacoma community since 1890. Maybe your kids went there. Hey, maybe you went there. Go Lutes! But if you're thinking about revamping your career or launching a second career, have you thought about PLU for a master's program? PLU offers a dozen master's degrees and postgraduate certificates. And get this, some of them can be completed in as little as nine months. Get your master's in education and become someone's favorite teacher. Get your MFA and unleash your inner poet. Or focus on the body and how it works with the new master's in kinesiology. Applications for all master's programs are on a rolling basis. For more information, visit plu.edu slash graduate to learn more. PLU, for the next step in your career. All right. Hi, we're back after break. Hey, if you are not a member of Channel 253, I strongly urge you to look into it. You go to our website, channel253.com. Membership costs you $4 a month. And with that, you get uh, access to all of our podcasts, which you would get anyway. But sometimes you get early access to things. You get uh, the notice that um, our events are happening. And sometimes there are special events just for Channel 253 members. So it is well worth your investment in money. And we appreciate it because it keeps all of us recording and putting out these podcasts. It's a great deal. It's a great deal. So Derek, let me ask you, how much is this tax likely to generate yearly? Assuming the tax eventually passes, what kind of revenue are we looking at? So it's a little bit of a ballpark, but mm-hmm. uh, because sales tax can be pretty unpredictable. Yeah. Well, I think first it is a sales tax. Yes, and it's a very tiny amount of extra sales tax for the consumer. Yeah, it's one tenth of one percent uh, sales tax. Uh, so the the average Pierce County resident, and this is the non-Tacoma portion of Pierce mm-hmm. County, because Tacoma's already passed it. So I want to make clear this is not. It doesn't we, add on. To yeah, what we Tacoma's. can't add on because that has been a source of confusion for my right. Tacoma constituents. Is you're not piling on another? Are you? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, but basically, it uh, so for everything outside of that, we think it would raise about fourteen million dollars a year. Uh, yeah, a year, and that that's that's a again a, a mm-hmm. ballpark based on previous years. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if we divide that population of Pierce County, the, uh, the rest of Pierce County outside Tacoma with that amount, you get to about nineteen dollars and twenty three cents uh, annually per person. Yeah. So, so a little bit, a dollar fifty a month, maybe. Yeah. You might. Uh, so uh, obviously that depends on the person and, and how what much you're this, buying. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, but that's. That's basically the cost. Now, here's the thing I always tell people. It's not as though you're not already spending that money. Mm-hmm. The truth is that the cost of the to the system are already significant. So, for example, um, people who are admitting admitted to ERs with crisis, um, we are paying for that through our insurance premiums and additional uh, hospital right. costs. Uh, you're paying for it with additional non-emergency 911 calls. Right. You're paying for it with property crime, with um, homelessness. You're paying for it with all these other things that that happen that come from us not investing upstream. Right. And then there's obviously the social costs. So the thing I always tell people is that um, 
you know, if we catch things earlier, you can often prevent the crisis from ever happening. Mm-hmm. Take our suicide rate, for example. Um, I read this, happened to read this article passed along by a friend from Texas Monthly of all things. And they were talking about this freak out in Texas, in East Texas, about skyrocketing suicide rates and how they were going to respond because they had risen to this terrifying level of 14 people per 100,000 in their counties. That's quite a lot. That is quite a lot. The problem is that in Pierce County, that number is 22. Really? Yes. So we have an extremely high suicide rate. Uh, and some of that's, you know, based on the fact that we have, you know, a, a younger population. The Northwest, for whatever reason, we all kind of joke about, you know, the weather, weather causing yeah. part of it. Um, you know, there's a number of different factors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a large veteran population because veterans have a disproportionately high rate. And generally have guns. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of one of the things we know is access to lethal weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the more rural areas tend to have it. Poverty. There's lots of different reasons. But the thing that stands out about Pierce County and every other social determinative health, you know, all these other metrics that flash red in Pierce County that don't in our peer counties, it's the lack of this behavioral health tax. That is the distinctive difference between Pierce County and all of our other peers. Every other county in western Washington has passed it. Every other urban county in Washington has passed it, Yakima being the most recent. Mm-hmm. So if you look in other places, this is not at all a partisan issue. And that's what I, I'm so saddened by is to watch this time and again become partisan. It is not in these other places. It has passed the most conservative uh, Republican commissions in, in, in Washington, and this thing has passed because they don't view it that way. You know, one thing I think to point out, it, the, what this tax raises directly is one thing, but the willingness to pass the tax qualifies you for some state grants. We had a situation lately where uh, the county was piggybacking on to the fact that the city had passed mm-hmm. the tax in order to qualify for a state grant since the county hadn't itself passed it. Yeah, we had some uh, – there, There's there's been some federal dollars that have come through, and it's based on your non-Medicaid spending on behavioral health. And, of course, since the county doesn't have it, we were lucky that Tacoma had. So we got a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly as much as we would have if the county had it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, there's a multiplying effect here. Plus, we can multiply that uh, often with private dollars. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have a, a accountable community health that's called part of our Medicaid reform efforts where they're actually re- raising a one Pierce County fund. Um, uh, it's now called Elevate Health is the name of the ACH. And one Pierce County fund will be basically raising private dollars to match these efforts. Well, okay. if we aren't doing it already, then we right. can't match that with much. So right. um, and you know, not to mention the fact that my non-Tacoma constituents are suffering as a sure. result. You know, I, I point out frequently, you know, w- the peninsula side of the bridge is in Pierce County much by accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, the reason it go- literally goes back to it was faster to row to Tacoma than it was to ride a horse to Port Orchard. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm really? I'm not kidding. That, I that, know that, I that, believe you because otherwise it doesn't make any sense at all. That is literally the reason. Uh, and so <laughs> – by that accident of history, my folks, um, you know, literally don't have access to the same resources yeah. that just across the border in Kitsap you that have. they do. And I've actually heard from people who were told your best option to to get your treatment for your child is to move to Owala or Port Orchard that's instead wild. of being in the north end of Gig Harbor or the Key yeah. Peninsula. And that's just tragic. That is tragic. So uh, what are um, – what generally, can this money be used for a for – a fairly broad spectrum. You've mentioned mm-hmm. a lot of different things, but one of the things that was occurring to me was, um, can it be used? And I think maybe yes. You mentioned uh, opioid addiction-related mm-hmm. issues, but what about like homelessness-related? Is there any way some of the mm-hmm. money could be used in 
county um, neighborhoods that are being impacted by homelessness. Yeah, there any way to Because, I mean, that is often has a mental health component. Yeah. So it would seem that some of the mental health money may be able to be helpful in that. Yeah, and I want to be careful here because one of the things that happens with homelessness is that people categorize the population as uh, – uh, kind of uniform in causes. Right, and that's not true. The, the truth is that for most people experiencing homelessness, it's economic. Yes. It's one time, it's brief, and mm-hmm. it never happens again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the uh, for the more chronic uh, homeless population, uh, there tends to be big barriers to being able to get access to income through work um, mm-hmm. and housing, uh, very often either disability or a behavioral health disorder. Mm-hmm. So, and, and often they're co-occurring. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's sort of many different, for them, the, the, the gold standard for the housing that they need is permanent supportive housing, meaning mm-hmm. that uh, they get into it and you kind of wrap services around them that they need, hoping that one day they can move to yeah. more traditional housing, but not the expectation not ever being there, that they may need permanent support for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, for that population, behavioral health services are absolutely crucial. Mm-hmm. And right now, we actually have these these new 1406 housing dollars that we're trying to program. We're trying to come up with like a mixed-use development where some of it would be permanent supportive housing, but we're not going to be able to get there without being able to program those behavioral health services, social services, and everything yeah. else that goes along with it. So, yes, for a large portion of the population, that's going to be difficult. Because that's the piece. So, again, you know, looking at sort of the locality responsibility, mm-hmm. which I think we have, that to me is where the maybe the opportunity is that some of your council members may or may not be seeing. And that is that I have to assume that even in the more remote parts of the county, people worry about um, changes mm-hmm. in their neighborhoods and changes with people who are homeless. And if you could say one of the benefits of this tax, which is small and fair because it's spread over everyone, mm-hmm. everyone pays it. The richest people pay the same amount as the poorest people. You know, mm-hmm. I know that's not always a good thing, but that does sometimes have an appeal to people is to say, you know, it will help us. It will help us be able to take care of some of these things that you see in your communities that really cause you pain. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you one know, of suicides, the- homelessness. And kids, I mean, kids have just increasingly, you know, for whatever reason, there are challenges for these, for kids with mental health issues and uh, treatment is very hard to find. And I would think anyone would want to, would want to have that in their community. Well, absolutely. We actually hear from these communities all the time and they're they're frustrated by our lack of action. You know, there's two other cities that could potentially under the state law pass it, uh, Lakewood and Puyallup. And actually, Mm -hmm. now I think about it, I just heard that um, University Place now meets the population. Is it big enough? Yeah, Yeah. it's a 30,000 population. Mm -hmm. They're they're just past it now. Uh, But the other communities, like my own in Gig Harbor, they can't pass it. They're not big enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, But that's still, you know, over 70,000 people on the peninsula's that are underserved because mm-hmm. of this. And you'll find the same on the plateau and, you know, uh, Parkland, Spanaway. They're unincorporated areas in particular. Um, you know, they, they don't have a city that can do this for them. And so one component of the bill is, uh, is uh, you know, an equity component, mm-hmm. making sure, geographically speaking, that we are targeting communities that – you know, maybe it's not the most efficient way to serve it, but mm-hmm. they need those services in those communities mm-hmm. so that we're not just at compiling it all into one place. Right. Um, we also really want to work with our school districts. I mean, because there there's several different organizations that are are screaming for this. Law enforcement, the mm-hmm. police chiefs uh, signed a unanimous letter telling us to pass this. The school districts, all in support. I mean, they, they, they see this in their schools and they want us to have some sort of at least screening mm-hmm. to look for signs of trouble. 
um, and uh, also the fire districts. You know, they're they're out there providing these emergency medical services, and very often knowing that that's not what they need. You know, these mm-hmm. frequent nine one one callers need some other access to, you know, a mobile outreach system. And we have something in its infant stage, but it it really to expand it countywide and have it be twenty four hours a day. We're going to need more. I just don't understand this, Derek. I mean, if you've got the schools, the police, the firefighters all saying, please, please, please do this. I don't understand why you have council members who are not willing to do it. I, this this is a tradition in Pierce County politics is, is politicians who are just more afraid about reelection than they are about doing the right thing. But you would think that term limits would have helped that somewhat. That's the thing is it actually term limits tends to be and I know this sounds counterintuitive, but it actually tends to protect um, uh, the incumbent. Um, so, for example, when I was deciding to run against an incumbent, mm-hmm. um, I had Democrats telling me not to do it. That sure. they, they, they were basically saying well, you're throwing away your career and blah, blah. You just just wait four years and it'll yeah. be open. Yeah. And I was like, but you're missing the point. So Are the we- term limits takes the pressure off. Yeah, exactly. And so. In some ways, I mean, I literally was the only uh, one that had defeated an elected incumbent Mm -hmm. in like 30 years. Um, And, you know, that's that's a trend, you know, telling us something. Um, But I would also say that, you know, the point in your career where you decide your reelection is more important than serving your constituents. Yeah. That's when it's time to hang it up. Absolutely. It's hard to see that there'd be too many votes against you, though. If you voted in favor of, of a tiny something, well, so there's just a small tax that's supported by the schools, the police, yeah. the firefighters. I, yeah, it, I don't think that anyone's going to take a, a war machine out against you for that. I also agree with you on that, but it's also like, for example, I wanted an opponent in my in my reelection mm-hmm. specifically because I wanted to prove a point to my my colleagues that yeah. say you don't need to be scared of this. In fact. When I first ran, and I I wouldn't recommend running on a tax increase in a Republican district. It's not the greatest idea in the world, right. and it you know you do get some pushback. It's not a happy time. But the thing we we quickly noticed was that it was actually the only thing that was really connecting at the doors. You know, my in my other side of things that I get into, it's more environmental land mm-hmm. use stuff. And people kind of their eyes glaze over when you talk about it. They care about it theoretically, yeah. but yeah. they're not sure. It's not personal. Yeah, exactly. But every time this came up, they would say, oh, you know, I I have this issue, my family, or I've experienced something, or I have a friend. Every door they brought it, they mm-hmm. were like, this is this is real. And so very quickly, I was like, look, this is connecting. People get it. Um, I think we, we lean into it. Um, so, yeah, and the, the, during the reelection, I wanted it to be like the, the centerpiece of the campaign so I could mm-hmm. show people, like, this is not something to be afraid of. We actually fe- did a whole commercial featuring a, a young woman who literally could not get treatment here and had to be taken to inpatient care in Yakima because there was no access here in Pierce County. You know, I think another thing to point out, the possibility of this tax has been around for a long time. 15 years. It was yeah. first passed in 2005 in response to some pretty right. savage, in my mind, uh, federal cuts. Mm-hmm. Because the, the the date that sticks in my mind, I think City of Tacoma approved it in 2012. Yeah, and that was years. only after, like, years of the Pierce County Council refusing to pass it. So Senator Darneal uh, basically passed an amendment to that state act allowing for cities to move ahead if they were over a certain population. Mm. That was specifically designed for Tacoma to move forward. That's wild. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, this has been going on a long time. It's one reason why further delay is sort of frustrating because it's like, is this real or is it 
Um, is it just a way to get I, past the election? I think yeah. what it really is, it's it's not a NIMBY. It's a, it's a not in my lifetime. It's a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I do have a strong suspicion <laughs> that many um, folks in Pierce County politics who are quiet on this mm-hmm. issue secretly want it to pass. Yeah. They just don't want to be out in they front of it. They just want to stand yeah. up for it. I don't know. That's just, it's wild. Think of the revenue that, that the county could have had over the last years if it's 14 million a year. It's, it, I mean, it's what, the tragic. good you could do with that. that the thing I, I I mean that keeps me up at night is like the lives we've almost certainly lost. Yeah. That to me is just it's frustrating to you know just the other day we had another um you know young person a, a, a father that lost their life to suicide because they were dealing with you know substance use disorder and and crisis and mm. it's just like I I just don't understand how we don't see the benefit to everyone uh, mm-hmm. from this. And, you know, it, I, I guess to me it, it's got to get done. If we need a little bit of delay to to be effective, I, I guess I'm willing to, to say yes to that. The problem is it's do we have faith that this isn't just a delay tactic? To, right. And, right. Is it a delay toward an end or is it just a delay? Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm not sure about. Um, and like I said – this is the rare issue where my colleagues don't get to say no and we just move on. Right. I'll keep bringing it Come up as long as I'm on the, on the council. We'll wait. In fact – You'll have even, a new council next year basically. No matter what, I'm definitely going to get out there and, and try to elect a better council. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we can elect a better council, maybe you know it's all – it won't matter. Next year we'll put it on and it'll pass fine. But um, you know, one thing I would like to add is mm-hmm. there is a sentiment out there that, look, this is a regressive tax. It's mm-hmm. just piling on to an already high sales tax. That is 100% correct. Absolutely. Uh, and I get that frustration. Oftentimes, we're taxing the people we're trying to help most. Yep. Transit service, for example. You know, I rode the bus up here knowing, looking around and knowing that most of the people on that bus, another penny out of their pocket is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, the uh, I'm actually representing counties on this, but the legislature has formed a tax structure work group to think about this in a holistic way. Uh, to come back with a proposal to the 2023 legislature. I mean, literally thinking about it so deeply, they've hired a, a team of economists to look mm. at options. Um, so the legislature is taking this seriously, uh, thanks in part to our own uh, uh, Speaker Laurie Jenkins, right. who, who has uh, been a, a longtime advocate for reforming the code for this very reason. Mm-hmm. So for those that are worried about you know that, they're absolutely correct to be frustrated by the piling on of more regressive taxation. Uh, but it is the only tool that we have. That's the thing. I mean, yes, and I worry about that. I worry about it actually even a little bit more in property taxes. But sales mm-hmm. tax hits every single person, mm-hmm. every single person the same way. It's not a good way to tax. But, you know, it's the tool we have. And in the meantime, we need that revenue. We need those services. So you mm-hmm. make what you can out of it. Well, the last thing I wanted to cover, and I'm, I'm open to whatever you guys want to talk about, but I wanted to just give a sort of a sense of what's going on at Western State Hospital. And the short answer is, I don't exactly know. Because I went looking for sort of recent news articles, and there's you know always news articles about um, there was a death recently where I think one of the um, patients was out, uh, I don't know what the circumstances were, they were out for a weekend of activities and they managed to come back with some uh, drugs. I don't know what kind. And uh, um, both uh, the the patient and his roommate overdosed then, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them survived and one of them did not. But other than that, there's not really a whole lot of news right now. Most of the news was over the last two years. In 2018, 
after a long, long process of certification and reviews and being placed on the watch list, Western State Hospital lost their federal certification. And what that means is um, our residential treatment facilities have federal certifications in order to get federal money. Losing that means that the state lost $53 million in federal funds that would come to this type of a residential treatment facility. Um, it's really lucky that this happened in 2018 and not 2008 mm-hmm. because in 2018, our state's able to cover that $53 million without really a whole lot of impact from what I can see. You know, the state does have a decent revenue stream right now. So uh, services haven't really been impacted even though they lost that federal money, they lost that federal certification, they can apply again in the future for the federal certification if they want to. And I, I would expect that they would, but I don't know for a fact. But what did happen in 2019 as part of that and as part of the fact that there were a lot, a lot of assaults at Western State Hospital and there had been a few escapes as well was that the legislature took a really hard look at how um, critical mental health services are being provided in that facility. And they have some ideas for changing it. One of the ideas is to move out the people who are um, civilly committed. You're civilly committed if you establish to a court with, you know, psychiatric evidence that you are a danger to yourself or others. Usually there's, you know, some people will get a two-week uh, commitment and then you get reevaluated. You can get then get a six-month and that can turn into almost a permanent um, civil commitment. These are people who are... Um, at risk. They may uh, be fire starters. They may have other things that they're doing that are not amenable to um, community treatment. So they're placed into the facility. Uh, And there's a proposal to move those patients. And there's about um, five, let me see, wrote it down, 560 of those patients. The plan is to move them out of Western State Hospital into smaller community facilities by 2023. Mm-hmm. The difficulty, of course, is – and then there's also there was also a proposal to um, – for the um, patients who would stay at Western State, which would be about 300 remaining patients, those are the ones who are there um, because of criminal activity. Many of them either didn't have the capacity to stand trial for their criminal um, behavior or they were ruled um, – to be um, not guilty by reason of a sa- insanity, that sort of thing. Those patients would stay in a very highly protective facility. And there was a proposal to maybe build a new one, a 500-bed facility in Lakewood, but the city of Lakewood is not too keen on that idea. So I don't know what that what's going to happen. But the, the difficulty that I see is anytime you have a proposal to move treatment out to the communities, what you see is the community is saying, we are not actually that excited about this opportunity you're presenting to us. So I don't know if they're really going to successfully mm-hmm. develop good, strong community placements um, by 2023. The other thing that happens is that generally there's a push to use private treatment facilities that are contracting with the state. And then that can be a little problematic um, because not everyone has the same um, confidence that treatment will be as good as it is in the state facilities where all of the um, employees are hired by the state. They meet certain thresholds. They're generally unionized uh, and have to have a pretty high level of competency and a pretty high level of oversight. Well, and some some local facilities really aren't licensed for, for certain types of high-risk patients. No, they're not. Which, they would which, have to. Which Western State is. Yeah, they would have to develop really a new type of local facility, I think, to, to meet the standards. 
I, I know from a friend that uh, she works in the um, aging care um, adult, not adult family home. It's the um, – I've lost the word that it is. But in sort of a, a, a step lower than nursing home type assisted of – Assisted living. Assisted living. Yes, exactly. Assisted living facility. And uh, the company she works for also has uh, memory care facilities in Tacoma where people go if they have Alzheimer's or dementia. And they have been um, working on changing some of the floors of their facility so it can be a behavioral care center because Western Hospital actually has a pretty large number of geriatric mentally, mentally, uh, mental health patients. And those patients are really good candidates to move out into a different location. They they don't tend to be as assaultive. Um, they're older. They're more fragile. They're actually, um, you know, you have to be very careful that they don't become victims of younger, healthier patients. So moving them into an ad- adult um, living type facility is a really good option for them. So there are things going on to lower the number of people at Western State. I just don't know if it will happen uh, very quickly because I, I think that most communities are a little bit hesitant to go along with that. Well, there's, this is where there's an advantage to actually mm-hmm. having it, they, them be state facilities because uh, then it can be an essential public facility, in which case you kind of you have to. You, you kind of run by the local right. zoning concerns. Yeah, you consult with the community, but you can kind of tell them, no, this it is, has to be here. They, they have no ability to say no. Yeah, really. yeah, exactly. Well, and realistically, you know, it isn't a great um, – it's sort of like our talk about the other places where we've located things. It's not a great pattern to have one facility for right. people with severe needs just in Pierce County because families, you know, it's very therapeutic and – good to continue to have contact with your family. For families in Vancouver, up in Bellingham, in Yakima, it would be much better to be able to be to have these services spread out a little bit more mm-hmm. in the state so that families could be nearby, people could have um, access to those facilities. There also pe- appears to be an outcome issue, too, because, you know, one thing that they legislators had been noticing over the years is some of these bad outcomes that they were seeing at Western State weren't happening at Eastern. So no, it wasn't I know. A, it wasn't a state system issue. It was, uh, you know, you look at what the, what all the differences are. It really came down to size. I mm-hmm. mean, Western was just way, big. way bigger than Eastern. And that may just be too unwieldy to manage. And so, um, you know, that that's kind of where the, the initial thoughts behind this concept came up in the legislature was – you know, maybe we need to break this up. And yeah. then, of course, everyone starts saying, well, there's another benefit. It's the community aspect mm-hmm. of it, you know, being closer to, to family. Um, there's the disproportionate burden issue that, mm-hmm. of course, Pierce County legislators wanted. So, you know, mm-hmm. you saw folks like Senator Oban and, right. and Darneal really kind of championing that portion of it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's really kind of about large institutions appear to have problems just in general. So. Yeah, I think that's true if you think about it. So they have about 850 beds right now, and I think they're pretty much at capacity most of the pretty time. Pretty much always, yeah. Um, and that is, um, it's, I think it's like the largest um, mental health facility in the West. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's big. It's bigger than most others, bigger than the ones they have in states that are much more populous than ours. So it's not really the modern trend at all. And if you think about it, just hiring competent people to work there, even at your most basic mental health, you know, um, caregiver level, can one community produce, you know, for 800 beds, you probably need, I don't know how many, but you probably need at least 1,600, if not 2,000 people to work there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, can any community have, you know, all of those people in it naturally? 
probably not. So I think it has been a challenge to staff them and, and everything else. So we'll see. It's good that they're talking. It's good that they're committing funding. But I, I just I'm a little bit. There was a movement um, years ago. Years ago, I represented the Division of Developmental Disabilities at DSHS, and there had been a movement to move people um, out of the big treatment centers like Fircrest and Rainier uh, into community settings, and it went pretty well. Um, but you kind of have to be careful that the funding follows because mm. sometimes out of sight, out of mind. That has been traditionally the problem with uh, um, psychiatric uh, deinstitutionalization mm-hmm. over the years is that you know the federal government wisely saw that there was this crisis um, in the systems. They were abusive and neglectful, and they thought, we don't want these big places anymore, and so we're going to start breaking them up. And that's why that magic 16-bed limit now yeah. exists for uh, for Medicaid uh, funding. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where that came from. They wanted to have these smaller things. The problem is the money never followed. Yeah. And so if we're going to do this, you really have to make sure that they follow through with those commitments. Otherwise, they're just closing down the sibling right. of, of Western and – we're sort of taking a bad problem and making it worse. Yeah. Um, I will say, to the legislature's credit, they also recognized a workforce problem, mm-hmm. and that we just struggle to find people that are qualified in this arena. And so, one of the things they did with the, the same action was to create a uh, psychiatric teaching hospital. Mm-hmm. It's actually the first of its kind, and I, I think in the country. Um, and that'll be located in Seattle, so it'll it'll be a, a hospital in its own right. But it's literally where we're going to ed- educate the next That's uh, generation of providers. Yeah. And so, I, I'm really kind of excited about that because. That that seems to be another portion of the problem is that mm-hmm. our workforce is just it's you know not great pay. So are you really going to get people to go deep into debt uh, to become uh, you know to go into that profession and then come out of it? Uh, and you know it's a thankless task to begin it's hard, with. Hard hard work. Hard work, yeah. difficult work. So uh, you know this should be you know another way to really improve that workforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. We should also pay them more because, uh, you know, I'm sure you have at least a few Western workers right here, and they're probably screaming for me if I don't bring that up. Oh, absolutely! Pay, I mean, that is, is hard. It is hard, hard, hard work. <laughs> yeah. And most, you know, when I worked with uh, developmental disability, I would occasionally have reasons to be at Western State, and the um, the nurses that I met with, the uh, mental health workers that I met with, were fantastic. They're they saints. Really fantastic. Yes. Yeah, they deserve they deserve everything. Well, that's all I had for mental health issues. Anything else you guys want to bring up? Uh, the only thing that I would add, if anybody, if they're not already tired of mental health issues, um, issues regarding the opening of the well-found facility and getting it fully up to speed. Matt Driscoll had an excellent article in the TNT. It posted on February 5th. Um, anybody who's interested in that, I really strongly suggest you read that. The TNT does occasionally do something that's really good. I know we like to whip them, mm-hmm. kick them at every opportunity, but it was really an excellent piece of work. It's it's based on you know having to plow through just hundreds of pages of uh, public disclosure documents that he got from State Department of Health. It, it's a fabulous piece of work. Oh, that's really good to know. It's a great example of the importance of local yes. journalism. Totally. Yeah. That I totally. think people forget what it was like when, you like know. we had a real paper. Yeah. And, um, you know, I 
I still love the News Tribune and would never <laughs> criticize them. Uh, but no, I just when I first started on the Gig Harbor Council, we had two reporters covering the city. Oh, wow. yeah. Two. One was investigative and the other was just a beat reporter. But think about that for a tiny town to have oh, yeah. two uh, reporters just covering the city. Well, when I was on the Tacoma City Ethics Board, which is now over 10 years ago, um, we every time we met, we had Lewis Cam, who then AT&T reporter, would show up at our meetings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was at 6 to about 8 o'clock in the evening on a, on a weeknight. Yeah. And we had a TNT reporter there just in case something we did good something. Happened. Yeah. So subscribe to all of them. Yeah. Subscribe to. Subscribe. Let's Channel 253, TNT. TNT. KNKX. KNKX. Maybe the Seattle Times, too. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Crossing Division. As always, if you have suggestions or comments, you can find us on Twitter or email. You can email me, truetacoma at gmail.com or on Twitter at uh, true underscore Tacoma. Joe, how can people get in touch with you if they want to? Uh, Probably the easiest way is on Twitter. I am at Joe Lopez Tacoma. Okay. And Derek, how about you? Uh, Google me for all the details, but on Twitter, I am Derek M. Young. But I almost said dot I know. com. Derek at, at Derek M. Young. Okay. All right. Thank you. And we will see you again next time. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. The Crossing Division podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Founders B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.